Welcome to another episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Yes, it is true here in the spring of 2018, regardless of when you, dear listener, might be tuning in. It is spring 2018. I'm your... uh, host Nate Larkin in Middle Tennessee here with the real host, the co-host from the West Coast, Aaron Porter, joining us from California. And we've got a great guest on the line who'll be joining us later in the show. Guten Morgen to you. Guten Morgen to you. I can't do a good German accent. I'm much better (laughs) at doing an Irish one. Yeah. Um, (laughs) It suits you anyways. Yeah. You just, you can't pull off the German look, frankly. It's just not you. I just cannot reach my inner Nazi. Uh, <laughs> oh, we apologize to all Germans who think that Nate believes if you're German, you're Nazi. <laughs> Come on. What more can they do? It's illegal to even have Nazi stuff over there. I know. You can be I more know. of a Nazi here than there. Yeah. Well, speak- a break. <laughs> Speaking of Nazis, Aaron, uh, how's parenting going these days? <laughs> I don't want to talk about that, but I... Uh, it, it is it is an ongoing uh, an ongoing journey. Yeah, yeah. So that's all I'm I'm going to say this morning. Okay. It's too exhausting, but I I do want to talk about somebody else's parenting. Okay, go ahead. Kids. I'm going to talk about somebody else's kid. Uh, I I have permission to share this, but on Sunday I was talking to a dad at church, and he has a son who's 18 who is doing this amazingly intense uh, lifeguard. It's not training. It's trying to become a lifeguard at this special area around here where if you get that, you can teach. And it's just, it's a very special thing, but it's super hard. Mostly the guys that are trying to get into this are older. They're not Mm 18-year-olds. And I mean, this is swimming two miles, running a mile on soft sand, and then swimming again and lunges and squats and push-ups and burpees. Um, It's crazy. It's just insane. And they do it each weekend. They have to do it over and over. So it's not even just a one day thing. Oh. And uh, so his his son was just struggling with, this is really hard and I kind of want to quit. And so on Sunday morning, that was all kind of happening. And this is, this is what he wrote. Uh, I, I emailed him on Monday and asked how it went. And he said, all the coaxing in the world had failed And last we heard, he had quit. But then somehow, instead of going straight to his car, he walked into the remaining four. So there were only four other guys left that had made it through this process. Mm -hmm. And they were huddled out of earshot of the instructors. They were pledging to have each other's backs because they were all feeling like they were on the ropes. His son was like, what? You mean you're struggling too? That magical conversation gave him a new mind, and he went from quitting into the next event, which was called the Iron Cross, the details of which sound more like torture to me. But he described it as a lot of fun, and we really had to pull together to make it through. Oh, wow. And I thought, man, I read that, and it it tickled me in my happy place. Now, Mm -hmm. that sounds completely wrong. Yeah. Uh, It it touched me. <laughs> Good pl- no, Not much better. Geez. Not much better. All right. Okay. It made me really happy when I was reading. There you go. Okay, good. This is, here was the confession of other men struggling that gave the courage to the man that was ready to quit. Yeah. Isn't this story exactly 
what we talk about all the time? It is. Absolutely. There it is. Right there. So beautiful. And I yeah. love that this young man got that. And, uh, oh, I get at the end, he was sitting on the couch telling this story. And he said, we're five strong to the end. That oh, wow. Final quote. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's beautiful. There it is. The power of authentic brotherhood. Yep. So when I got that yesterday, I had to write and ask permission to share that because that was too perfect. <laughs> too perfect. Oh, man. Hey, well, uh, let me read a letter that I, I, I got. Actually, it's addressed to both of us. Uh, hello, Nate and Aaron. I recently found your podcast through a version daily devotional by Covenant Eyes called Overcoming Porn, the 40-Day Challenge. One of the daily devotions referenced your great ministry in the Samson Society. I'm so happy that I've found your ministry. I've been hungry for this type of message and brotherhood for years. I'm a 50-year-old married man with two teenage kids who was raised in the church. I've struggled my whole adult life with unwanted same-sex attraction. I've struggled internally for years and years with trying to figure out who I am. I don't like the same-sex attraction aspects of my life, but I've never been able to make it go away either. You guys used the term unwanted same-sex attraction in one of the archive podcasts that I was listening to recently, and it truly opened my eyes and brought me so much peace. I've always felt shamed and uncomfortable in the church with the message that sin is acceptable before Christ, before Christ. But at the moment that Christ enters your life, from that point forward, you should be sin-free. No matter how hard I've struggled against my porn addiction, I've never been able to completely get free from it. I'm coming to understand that one of the key missing components in my recovery is the companionship and fellowship of other Christian brothers who can support my process. Another key missing element up until very recently has been knowing that outstanding messages and resources like yours even exist. That message is not widely known or widely communicated within the church. Sexual brokenness is largely shamed by the church, and so there's very little opportunity to share openly about struggles in this area, which makes the recovery process a very isolated event, and that isolation leads to relapse. It's an amazingly vicious cycle. I attended a Samson Newcomer meeting this past week with Tom Mocha, attended my first regular virtual meeting on Friday. I'm so thankful to have been brought into this ministry. I can't wait to find a Silas that I can pair with. To that point, I'd love to find a Christian brother who either comes from this unwanted same-sex attraction background or who has experience working with other men with this type of uh, an addiction. Do you happen to know of any of the men in your ministry who might be available to be a Silas that you could refer me to? Can't say enough about how much I'm really relating to the messages of your podcast. I've listened to almost a year of them already, but I'm planning to go back and listen to as many of them as I can get my hands on. Please don't ever stop this incredibly valuable ministry. Well, thanks, brother. Thanks for that uh, note. And... uh, yeah, we'll find a way to connect with you and see what we can do to suggest a suitable Silas. That's really what it's all about, right, Aaron? It it is. Can I can I touch on something in sure in there? I, yeah, I think there was something that was said that's very common to most people, which is okay. Jesus comes into my heart, and I mean, this is your background in the Pentecostal yeah. charismatic world. Everything gets fixed. Yeah, and I mean, beyond that, just being silly 
in real life. Like that's not how most people are experiencing real life. And even if one thing is fixed, they're going to find they still live in a body of flesh that's broken. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Something else. And I, I think the we ignore that we have presuppositions going on in our head, like foundational ideas of what's supposed to be that kind of work on an unconscious level that then mm-hmm. we're either frustrated or disappointed based on that. And even as, as he was, as I was listening to you read that, I was thinking of a friend of mine who lived in a, a city that had a lot of billboards uh, that, that were salacious. How's that? Okay. That was yes, very good. Was very good. Very good. Uh, so anyways, there were a lot of boobs on them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> See, I mean, you did so good. <laughs> All right. Um, but it, it it distracted him when he would be driving around. He'd be like, "Oh, I see that." And he was he was a pastor, which made it doubly shameful for him because mm-hmm. he would see these things and be like, "Whoa, that's that's cool." Uh, and I I said, "Oh, okay. Well, what would you do then?" And I was expecting like I'd go to my office and close the shades and look at porn and masturbate. Yeah. And he's like, oh, well, I would just like cry out to God, God, help me. I don't want to be looking at all this stuff. And I go home that night and try to love my wife better because, you know, I felt bad. Yeah. And I was like, wait, this is the bad story. This is your. <laughs> I just want to make sure I'm tracking with you. And I said, what? How is this the failure story? Just fill me in. Yeah. And he said, well, I am 35 years old. I should be better than this. I should not be, I should be more mature. And I said, yeah. what, what does mature means? Every, like all boobs on the planet are repulsive except your wife's. That's maturity to you? Like, let's yeah. just be clear. And he, with a straight face said, yes. Oh. I said, oh dear, that's, that's, a, that's a weird bar to try to get over. That's just weird. <laughs> and I said, okay, all right, all right. So what would happen if you... All of a sudden, you didn't even notice any any feminine beauty anywhere. Yeah. And he just got this relaxed look like that was the best thought ever and said, I would just be able to get so much more ministry done and do like really great yeah. things for the kingdom. I said, well, let me backtrack then. If God grants your wish that you no longer struggle with this sin, you'll just become more of a workaholic than you already are. But with this brokenness intact, you are reminded daily to cry out to God and treat your wife better. Yeah, I can see how God really would want to grant your wish, that genie God that you're looking for. When we start breaking down how our brokenness is a gift it's a it's a it's the fastest deepest door back into intimacy with God and others yeah. if it is used as that kind of a tool yeah and not indulged as our flesh is crying out to be indulged so i just i i would remind our listeners and and even our brother that wrote that to to think through what are my presuppositions what do i actually think is supposed to happen and is it realistic is it even nearly biblical which it's usually not or is it just something i've made up or picked up from some bad sermon that i've heard somewhere yeah that's all i have to say about that wow so there's another letter i want to hear because Uh, you we we are discussing regularly as we're getting closer your plans to go walk with your daughter yeah 
and talk about the past, but I heard that there is in existence a letter that she wrote to you that started this whole process. Is that true? It, it is absolutely true. Yes, it, it is. Well, uh, since, since it's just me and you here, and that is a private letter, uh, <laughs> I'd like you to I'd be interested for you to read that. To just okay, well, well, let me set it up a little bit. It, it, this started last summer. Uh, a summer evening on our front porch when Allie, uh, Chris, Kristen came over uh, for a talk and we had a couple Guinnesses on the porch and got talking. And I think it was the fact that we were drinking Guinness that reminded me of, uh, or reminded Kristen that I had taken her brother and a few Samson guys on a walk through England, a pub walk years ago. And uh, she said, you know, it still pisses me off that I didn't go on that trip that you wouldn't let me go because she, she had campaigned hard to come along. And I had said, no, this is a guy's trip. You'd be just too distracting to have you along. And uh, <laughs> yeah. Misogynist. All right. <laughs> so, uh, and, and this has just frosted her for a good long while. So I said, <laughs> I said, look, I got an idea. Why don't you and I just go walking? Just us do a dad, daughter, dad, daughter date. Like we used to do when you were little. And uh, she goes, why not Ireland? I said, okay, Ireland it is. And then uh, then both of us realized that it was just uh, absolutely financially impossible for us to do it at that moment. Just didn't have the cash to pull it off. But then Kristen got an idea. She said, you know, uh, she says, what if we wrote a book? We could, we could monetize the thing. People know your story. They don't know my story. They don't know what it's like growing up with an addicted dad. They don't know how we've managed to you know, how the family got healed. Why don't we do that? Uh, maybe you could help some people. I said, grand idea. Let's do it. Uh, well, so she went on, uh, left that evening. She had a, she's a singer songwriter. She had a show that night. Uh, the next morning I opened my email to find this letter. Dad, I know the idea for this project started as a desire to reconnect on a walk. We were daydreaming about walking through Ireland together, recreating a dad-daughter date like we would sporadically take when I was little and you decided it was time to show up for me. Honestly, the more I process, I'm realizing that if we really want to do this right, it must truly be a reckoning, not an emotional check-in where you get honest for a minute and I adore you for it, grateful for a moment of connection in the fog. <laughs> uh, when I was a oh yeah, if she wasn't a good writer, I know. When I was a child, you were my beacon, and often you went dark. Once in a while, it would shine, and I would try to swim towards you, only to have it go out once more. This project cannot be that. This must be both of us shining our lights, keeping them lit, and working to truly hear and understand each other. And damn it, I'm mad. And I also feel bad for being mad because you've always supported me and kept a roof over my head and you've never said an unkind word to me. But there's so much more to our story. And if you want to be an honest man in this book, if we really are going to help people by healing this gap in our own lives, we have to really do the work. So I'm going to ask some hard questions on this walk. I'm going to express some things that I never let myself acknowledge. I am up to it. Are you? <laughs> 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 
mic drop and gauntlet drop. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that was the motivation for me to get back into counseling. Uh, to uh, to see what I can do about in, in increasing my ability to be emotionally present in a conversation. And uh, so we committed to do the trip. We've been working on it ever since. We've got a great plan. And uh, we're going to leave the 16th of June. I'm going to take almost two weeks. We're going to do Ireland and England. It's turning into a great story. So we've actually already written the first four chapters of the book. Uh, and there's plenty more to write, even uh, just because a lot has happened since that that summer evening uh, on the porch. And then uh, we're going to do our best to to uh, have those conversations without trying to script them. Uh, you know, the advice I'm getting is don't write the don't write the book on the walk. Be there on the walk. Mm. Uh, but then. Uh, you know, just just the prospect of this walk, knowing that it's coming up, has has driven me to explore issues that I haven't looked at uh, before in my life. It's really deepening our conversations, and I think it's going to be I think it's going to be helpful. I know it's going to be helpful for us, and I I think it's going to be helpful to other people. So I'm excited about it. That's going to be great. And you are figuring out how to audio record while you walk, right? So that you don't have to keep notes and you can just be present. <laughs> Boy, that's a good thing. That's a that's a good suggestion. We haven't thought about that. No, we thought about doing notes later, but uh, I suppose we can just audio record using our phones. Yeah, it depends how windy your walk is. Might you yeah. could just get like a little Zoom recorder that even plugs in a couple little microphones, and then you can put a you know 120 gig SD card in, and you're rolling for a long time. All right, good. We'll uh, I will. Uh, I will use your technical ability. You can be the consultant on this thing. You can be the sound guy. Does that make you the the the, the gaffer or the key grip? Or <laughs> what does it make you? I don't know. I'm just an asshole. Okay. Uh, but I, <laughs> I, I think that suggestion was, was great about being present. And yeah. by capturing everything, you don't have to try to remember anything. You can just truly be present. Yeah, yeah. So this I, is great that listeners get to like participate in the formation of this whole thing. <laughs> we're all totally fascinated by what it's going to become. You know, we're starting out. Uh, we're going to do three days walking along this the wild coast of Ireland on the Dingle Peninsula. It's been the named Dingle the, Peninsula. It's called the Dingle Peninsula. My da- uh, yes, I know how appropriate. So anyway. Uh, <laughs> This is all exciting, but I don't want to talk about it anymore because what will we talk about in upcoming weeks as we continue to plan the framework of your book here <laughs> on the Pirate Monk Podcast? <laughs> we're going to take a quick break, and we're coming back with a great guest who's got some good stuff to talk about. I think some good ideas and counsel for men. So uh, without further ado, here we will take a break on the Pirate Monk Podcast.
welcome back to the Pirate Monk Podcast. You know, just this last week, I got an email from a friend who I correspond with uh, on a regular basis and try to talk with a weekly guy from out of town who said that he had just read a great book, a great resource provided uh, by Covenant Eyes. He recommended it to me. And I'll tell you what, uh, it... Uh, I was so impressed with it that I immediately did a little research. Her name does not appear on the title as uh, on the cover as the author, but I managed to find out who wrote the thing and contacted her and invited her to come on uh, the show. So Lisa Eldred is with us and Lisa has written. Hi, uh, hi Lisa. How are you? I'm doing well. How about you? Good, good, good. I was a bit surprised uh, to find out that a girl had written the book because uh, this is supposed to be just something that guys talk about. I, 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 obviously, I know better, but the the popular misconception is only men can talk about it and only men ever have the problem. Well, and see, this goes back to um, what you were, what you guys, you know, I was listening into what you guys were talking about earlier and you were reading the letter from the friend of, yeah. you know, about his son's experience and just being able to walk into the room and be like, you know, oh, hey, wait, I'm not the only one who's struggling right now to get through all of these, you know, terrible challenges. Um, and in a sense, I think that for guys, it is actually easier to talk about porn because of that conception. Um, mm -hmm. Jessica Harris, I assume you guys are familiar with her work. Um, if, if you're not, she is a woman who has dealt with porn addiction, talks a lot about that, is probably one of the biggest names for women who struggle. Um, but a couple of years ago at the Set Free Summit that Kevin and I and Josh McDowell put on, she did this brilliant talk about just how easy it is to shut women down when you're talking about porn. Um, like, it's so easy for it to for us to just be like, oh, I don't actually, you know, women start to open up and they kind of ease into the conversation and then they're just like, you know, if you're shut down, if you like, if the person listening doesn't throw them a lifeline to say, no, it's okay, keep telling me about this. Yeah. Then they just shut down, they won't talk about it, and they may never open up again. Um, mm, mm, and so, mm, mm. just as a little bit of a personal thing, like, I will, I will say that I personally have never actually gone truly down the path of pornography. Um, and I think that is 100% the grace of God. Um, mm -hmm. I have gone as far as like what I would call, um, I think the like, I think they call it edging, um, but looking at some very close to pornographic images, but it's always been more of like the, the analogy being like, if I've been window shopping for porn, it's been, I have been window shopping and I've gotten maybe as far as like putting my handle on the door or hand on the like doorknob to open that door. And I've been like, no, yeah. I can't, I can't so, let that be me. So but, that yeah. being said, how did you get into this working at Covenant Eyes and writing yeah. uh, all about recovery? hundred percent God. Um, I truly look at my life and it's just one of those, you know, you read the story of Esther and it's like, she's put there for such a time as this. And I kind of feel like that's how I got here. Um, I, when I was job hunting, like I'll cut this story way short because it's a, it's its own story, but like basically was asked to apply for this job, walked into it with the whole like porn is morally wrong, but I'm not going to like, if you're not a believer, I'm not going to judge you for it. Um, walked in, 
got the job, started doing the research, um, and I've been here. I think actually it's eight years tomorrow is how long I've been working at. Company. Wow. Um, and you know, within definitely within the first six months, as I was getting into the research, it was like, no, this is not just a moral issue. This is really a whole body issue. This is a like neurology issue. It messes you up. Um, I honestly think I'm 36 years old. Um, and so I'm like that earliest, like 1982, I'm always the early, like the high end of millennials. Mm -hmm. And I think starting with my generation and below uh, and younger, like I look around and I see all the relationship crises out there, um, all of the people. And it's because like we were the generation that first grew up on the internet and our parents, I can't blame parents for not knowing what they were doing on the internet, like for not thinking to monitor. Um, but sorry, I'm, I feel like I'm kind of rambling. So if you've got questions, okay. well, I'm, this is awesome. Yeah. I'm curious on the, on the female end of things that though their technology has opened up new doors for men, it's always boys will be boys kind of a mentality. Mm -hmm. Whereas the, the availability and hmm, because of how guys have begun talking with women because of the anonymity of chat rooms, things like mm -hmm. that, women have young women, the millennials and whatever they're calling the generation after mm -hmm. now, uh, really the the young women have been sexualized far more or exposed to so much more and so this is becoming more their issue so it's whereas a guy who's 60 can really relate to a guy who's 20 in a lot of ways i think a woman who's 60 has no idea what a 20 year old is thinking or going through so can you describe a little of that change and difference well even for me it's like you know i hang out with a lot of college students at my church and i think even for me because I'm on that older end, like I didn't get a cell phone until I was out of college. You know, I didn't have mm -hmm. to deal with any of the sexting issues and stuff, but like high schoolers and college students now, that's how they go into it. Um, for me, for my generation, for the women, my guess is that those of us who got into pornography, like it was more of the curiosity sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, like I literally had a female friend once tell me that, yeah, the way she got addicted was she was just like, what is this porn thing? What's the big deal? And so she Googled it and that got her hooked. Um, mm -hmm. Versus I think the younger women, um, those in college right now, a lot of them are, you know, some of them would have started either because like they're trying to be like more sexually attractive for their boyfriends or, you know, it's much more of like kids yeah. these days just jump straight into sex. You know, let me get out my cane and shake it at you. Um, but you start like, so there are young women from that aspect. And then there are also just the young woman who it's like, they, anytime a parent hands a child a tablet, I just sit there and I'm like, you are do I, if a parent is telling me this, I'm like, you are doing something to protect your kid on this, right? Like, I honestly, I tell them this outright. I don't care if they use covenant eyes or if they find a competitor, like, do something. Talk to your kids. Like, make sure that any addiction is headed off before it started because, you know, any child's brain, they're not going to be able to handle it. Porn comes in, hijacks the, um, like, hijacks all of the most powerful chemicals and if you're doing that while your brain is still developing especially that's just going to jack you up for life um 
So I remember having a conversation with some neo-pagans once, like neo-pagans you would expect, like they don't care anything about this. And I'm, it's always that awkward conversation of, oh, Lisa, what do you do for a job? Well, have you heard of coming in eyes? No. <laughs> well, have you heard of internet pornography? Um, yeah. And, you know, but I remember having this conversation with them and just kind of the usual safe angle for that sort of thing is taking the protect kids angle um and they were like they're sitting there nodding at me like very strongly i know many of them watch porn themselves as adults and they're like oh yeah you know i remember like meeting this one guy who got like addicted to porn as a little kid and it just completely like he's the most mess up, messed up guy that i know and these are neo-pagans that are saying yeah 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 <laughs> So, well, there's yeah. there's just a difference between dancing around the oak tree naked at midnight with the druids <laughs> and kids hijacked by porn. <laughs> one's fine, one's not. Uh, so, tell us about this book you're working on now, because uh, I got to look at this outline. It's very interesting, and I was curious which part you were wanting to jump into. Or Nate, did you have a part? Well, I, yeah, I'll tell you what the angle. The reason to me this was fortuitous, uh, you know, actually providential that that the book showed up was uh, we had just had a board meeting for Samson House uh, a couple nights earlier, and we talked about you know what kind of resources can Samson House contribute to this ongoing uh, you know kingdom work. And the guys had said, you know, the phrase that keeps coming up is positive sobriety. Um, guys usually come into Samson because they want to stop doing something. But the question then is, you know, Jesus told that told that story about the guy, you know, you cast out the demon and, you know, you know sweep the room clean. But if there's if the room then is empty, the seven more worse come back, right? So, what does porn get replaced with to prevent uh, relapse? Uh, so, what kind of positive things can we do to help in sobriety? And they looked at me like, you know, like, Nate, it's your job to write the book. And I've already got a book project. Uh, uh, I'm busy. And also, I'm not sure I'm the most qualified guy to write the positive sobriety book. And then this one showed up. It's called Hobbies and Habits. And uh, a big part of the book is uh, very practical guidance, suggesting, hand-holding, even almost wor workbook-like sheets for, uh, to help a person build a plan for positive sobriety. I'm so excited about this book. I want to recommend it to all Samson guys. How did you come about uh, writing this? Was this assigned to you by the powers that be there in Upper Michigan? Uh, Actually, the books that I've been assigned to are some of the ones that I'm the least proud of. So uh, no, this was one that was entirely from me. Um, and, you know, you had asked earlier, like, well, how is it that you got into this? Well, one, um, my power, my powers, um, air quotes there, are kind of research and observation. Um, and so, you know, I've been... Like I said, I've been here for eight years now. Um, I have read all of our books. I have edited most of them, written mm -hmm. a, like written a few. The other one that I'm mostly proud of is, well, I am proud of, I should say, most proud of, is called More Than Single, Finding Purpose Beyond Porn, because I can speak especially to the singleness aspect. Yeah. Um, but 
as part of that book um, and as part of my journey, I have been involved in a creative community for a while. And they're some of the most joyful, positive people. And I've just been, you know, you cited that passage from Matthew. Um, that's one that I have been like mulling over in my head for a while about, you know, you need to replace for and it can't just be, you know, and I hate to say this. It's both true and not true to replace porn with Jesus. You know, you cited that letter like mm -hmm. earlier in the talk about like, um, you know, everyone just expects Jesus to be basically, you know, a magical wizard who like, oh, I'm a Christian now. I'm not, mm. I'm never going to sin. And like porn isn't a problem anymore. And that's just not how life works because we have bodies. We have like brains. Our brains are made of chemicals. Our chemicals have gotten hijacked. We need Jesus, yes, absolutely, 100%, but we also need physical help. We need, like, people who are coming alongside us, who are, like, helping us with the psychological aspects of healing, um, and we need to find some way to actually replace the, like, the energy that we're pouring into porn and do something with it. Mm. Um, mm. So, it's, yeah, the creative, like, so the... All of that to say, this book has actually been kind of percolating in my mind since I wrote More Than Single. The last chapter of that book it was actually kind of the genesis of this one um, because it deals specifically with, okay, how do you get into some of the creative aspects? And I remember as I was finishing that book up, one of my male colleagues, Sam Black, read it and was like, you know, this is good, but guys aren't going to take this seriously. And I'm sitting here like, well, why not? And he's like, well, because you're focusing on art and journaling. And it's like, I quote a poet, like what guys read poetry, right? Um, <laughs> and no matter how really that does. Is, so, <laughs> um, but so it's, you know, he's sitting there and I added a little bit to that particular chapter about you know adding some practical hobbies i can't even remember what now that was three years ago that that one re was released um but it's kind of been in the back of my brain as something to build into and so so where I've does just, where does someone but, start with all this information uh Obviously, this is way more than you can summarize in a short right. time, but you're, you're talking about people have to come out of the isolation mm -hmm. back into community, but not just community, but purposeful activity that gives you something to focus on mm -hmm. instead of just focusing on not looking at porn. Mm -hmm. So where to start? Um, start by reading the book. Um, <laughs> um what I wound up doing was I divided it into seven different types of hobbies. Um, there's creative hobbies, intellectual hobbies, practical hobbies, um, experiential hobbies. So exploring, um, I'm not even going to remember all of them, uh, generous, social, and there's one that I'm completely blanking on because of course I am. Um, but basically part of the goal of this book is there is no one size fits all solution for this. Your life is your life. I want you to be able to find something that fits into your life. And so some of it is, oh, physical hobbies. That's the other one. Mm -hmm. So if one of the things is like, we've gotten comments like, well, you know, I can't go to the gym because I'm like, you know, then I'm going to see women in sports bras and how am I going to not sexualize them? Well, start thinking literally like physical hobbies. One of the connections is start looking at the body as this great, amazing machine. Um, there's some stat, I'm not going to remember exactly what it was, but I was just looking up some details and 
I think it's like the number of nerves or something like that. The number of nerves in a single human body is greater than the world population. Um, yeah. Wow. This like absolutely. I mean, God has done this amazing thing that we don't even understand at all um, when He created our bodies, and so you know, do something more like do something intensive. Look at how amazing it is that you can sit there and lift weights. Um, I join a CrossFit gym, for example. I've been doing CrossFit myself for a year and a half, um, which if you know me at all, you would be absolutely shocked to be like, wait, you're doing CrossFit. Mm -hmm. But it's just this great when it's got that combination of community, like you're coming together to push through these like insane workouts, like burpees. I hate burpees. Like they're the death of me. But I, every time the burpees are in, I come in and I do them and I suffer through and I get- Okay. Like I have to interrupt. This is the sec, this is the second time that burpees have been referenced in this show. You know what a burpee is. A burpee to me is a seed packet. What, what, what's a, what, what is a burpee? Okay. Imagine you like go down into a plank position. You understand a plank, like you're getting down to do a push up, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you jump down, you put your feet down on the ground, jump your feet back so that you're in that push-up position, yeah. get down into the push-up, yeah. jump your feet back up so that yeah. you're next to your hands, then jump into the air. Oh. Yeah. So a squat thrust with a leap. Yeah, basically. Yeah, you're leaping, squatting, getting into the plank, bringing your knees back up, and if you want to have a lot of fun, add a push-up in there. Yeah. Oh! That's about that sounds awful. It is. And everyone in CrossFit <laughs> hates them, but you sit there and you hate them together and you get stronger together. And when you're looking at that, when you're looking at the body as this amazing machine that can do something that is that awful, yeah. you no longer think of it as you're looking at like your female, like gym members and you're like, yeah. Oh, you know, wow, you just like deadlifted like 250 pounds or you just yeah. did how many thrusters right in a row or whatever. And you're not thinking of them as the sexual object. You're thinking of them as this powerful human being. Yeah. So yeah. that's kind of you. So you ask, bringing this back, um, you ask like, well, where do people jump in? And it's like going into more detail in the book, of course, but start thinking about things like, what did you enjoy as a kid? You know, were you the kid who enjoyed doing things like push-ups for fun? Then start with physical hobbies. Were you the kid who liked to sit there in your room and tell yourself stories? jump like reclaim that creativity like go back to your childhood before porn and oh i love that. that yes that's so, great i'm gonna go build a fort this afternoon do it. You know, <laughs> um i had some friends who like literally as a manage as a method for like tracking how they were repaying debt they literally built a lego tower and tore it down brick by brick as they like paid off debt and i mean it's legos they're kids toys right but yeah. there's something about that that you can just like the art of playing as adults we tend to lose that but it is yes. still so important for us to keep playing to keep having fun because that's where creativity comes in is through playing it's you know that's where we can go and we can create these great works to god you know we do, are do do, do you think that's where porn began for some of us? Was it was it was it play? Was it just bad play? Honestly, I do. Um, as one example, you know, like I mentioned, like we didn't get our we got dial up internet when I was like a junior in college or something. Yeah, like yeah. That. We held off for a little while. Um, but you know, I 
this isn't porn per se, but like one of the one of the first truly negative experiences that I personally had online mm-hmm. was Googling something like just following that the rabbit trail, getting to something where it was basically like Bert and Ernie from the Sesame Street, like act like Bert was a terrorist mob boss or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it was just yeah. this horrible dark fan fiction that probably now as an adult I would kind of laugh at as a satire, but it burned itself into my memory. And that was just simple play of like, you know, just like looking at dark satire of Sesame Street as a teenager. And yeah, I think yeah. for a lot of people it's like, yeah, I'm curious about this. Like, what is this and whatnot? Um, that, so especially for my generation and younger, like, no, if you talk to other people, Jay Stringer has done a lot of research um, about like how trauma connects into yeah. porn and what you're addicted to. Um, so I think for like, there is a lot to be said for that. Um, one thing I will say for hobbies and habits is it is one tool in the toolbox. It is not the only tool in the toolbox. Right, Please right. still go to your society, like the Samson society. Please still like, if you need counseling, get counseling, um, right. but do reclaim that play. You know, I love this. We often say, you know, to, uh, to, uh, to truly recover, you have to do the work. We say that a lot. You've got to do the work. Mm-hmm. And it's true you have to do the work. But it's also true that you have to do the play. Mm-hmm. And I think that perhaps we make it too uh, – yeah, we make it so much work that it's intimidating. And that part of us that just needs to play gets starved. And eventually, can be drawn back to uh, a, a, a play that's that's uh, hurtful. Well, and I think it's unbiblical to say don't play too. Like even yeah. if you're thinking of everything is is supposed to be worship. Like there's so much creativity in the Bible. You know, the Bible begins with God being the creator and yeah, just speaking the world into existence. Whether you believe that speaking was form of you know evolution or whether you believe in seven day creation yeah follow it up like i mean there's chapters devoted to like the chapters in exodus that everyone skips right like the ones at the end where it's like and then god said have so and so create this exact like beautiful and it's like 23 olive branches and yeah pomegranates or whatever and then they describe that twice like yeah that is god telling you like telling artists be artists you know yes Psalm 150 is, you know, praise him, praise him on timbrel and lyre, like play music. Yeah. Like, do the, do all of these beautiful things. So Nate, what, in your experience, what is the go-to excuse for men to not take this advice? Is that they don't have time or? Yeah, I think part of it. And I think a lot of us, uh, a lot of us are so, you know, we've been told, look, we spent years playing around. Now it's time to do the work. We have a lot of shame. We somehow now are un- disqualified from enjoying life. We now just have to just, we got a debt to pay. We got to grind it out. And so we stop going to movies. We stop. Uh, yeah, I think that's a big part of it. And this brings back to my memory uh, coming home from onsite when I did a, a, a one week intensive at onsite. And um, one of the assignments they gave us was to take your inner eight-year-old out on a date once a week. And, uh, oh, 
And you know what? I haven't done that in years, but I, I, it was so fantastic when I was doing it. Um, and um, and life-giving. Life-giving. Why do we have to make it so somber all the time? Go ahead. I'm sorry, Lisa. Oh, no, you're fine. Like, just building that, it truly is. Again, this creative community that a lot of this was built out of, like, that is, they are the most lively people that I know because they're, they're having fun, they're playing, they're, you know, drawing yeah. or coloring or recording music. And sometimes, like, I mean, I think we'll all freely admit sometimes, like, what we write or, like, draw isn't worth um, sharing. But it's still the art of creating is such an important thing for us. And if you ever, um, I remember reading a, a, an article about Pixar, like, Pixar, some of the most brilliant movies out there, right? They are absolutely yeah brilliant storytellers um but a lot of what they do is those shorts that they show at the beginning of their films are them playing them experimenting mm -hmm. with ideas and you know sometimes they get eventually developed into full-length movies sometimes they don't um mm -hmm. you know but just taking that idea and so you're talking about like well we don't we get the idea we're not supposed to play um Everything in moderation, of course, like, you know, if you're just sitting there and you're like, you're like, mm -hmm. no, I'm going to sit there and play all the time and not go out to work and pay my bills. That's ridiculous. You have yeah. responsibilities. If you're, if you're married, especially you have responsibilities to your family. Um, but just because you're doing something for yourself, especially if it's something more creative, that can eventually be something that you're developing a skill that goes out and beautifies the world. Mm -hmm. So it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's funny it. how you uh, tying those things together, uh, e even the story you tell about mm -hmm. what Pixar was producing back when, when Pixar just opened its new uh, facility over at, around Berkeley or in Oakland, my uh, cousin's husband was working there and this was when it was still pretty open to uh, bring guests in on the weekends <laughs> when it was closed. That, that was a culture of playing in between mm -hmm. every office. There were like stages with music instruments sitting there, beach volleyball courts. And as long as you got your work done, you were encouraged to just go sit in one of the hammocks in a hallway mm -hmm. and be. So mm -hmm. to produce that kind of thinking takes a culture of permission mm -hmm. for the people in it. Like yeah. it was, it was the least uh, corporate place I had ever witnessed. <laughs> Even little crawl spaces in the walls that were going into like, I don't know, insulation areas. People had like insulated and made little rooms with pillows where it was their special little playhouse. It was <laughs> bizarre. It was very bizarre. But back to, tying that to what you said, Nate, I think we switch our culture from play to work and there is no connection between the two and there's no permission to make that connection. Right, right, Take right. your inner eight-year-old out. What kind of uh, new age psychology is this? That's not meant for Christendom. That's meant for kooks. <laughs> Unless you become like a little child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Mm. Who said that? Dr. Spock? What? what? <laughs> child psychologist said that nonsense. Yeah. I love the idea of going back you know, we tell people, stop looking at porn, grow up. Yeah. How about, stop looking at porn, go back. What was life like before porn? Go back there. That is cool stuff I'm excited about. Mm -hmm. um, 
Yeah, this conversation. Now, this book, one of the wonderful things about this book is it's free. Mm-hmm. Wait, it's, yeah. it's already available? It is. Then why'd you send me just the outline? I'm like, I have no idea what this rat I, thing I, I is. Sent you a, I sent you a link to it, Aaron. Uh, I, I opened the link. It's literally the outline of the book. Oh, okay. But it's cool. Well, I apologize. Right now okay. I know that it got me curious, if for no okay. other reason than to understand what the Rat Park from 1970s Bruce Alexander at oh, yeah. Rage <laughs> University experiment is. I have no idea what that is. You don't know the Rat Park experience? No. Oh, tell you want to tell the the Rat Park Park story, Lisa? Um, sure. And bre- well, so let me give let me state one grain of salt before I do okay. this. Um, uh-huh. There is some question to the. This research is not be all end all. Let me put it right, 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 right. Um, and it is, I appreciate it more as an anecdotal. Like, this yeah. is not objective data. This is like soft data. Um, right. But basically, what happened was researchers in the seventies. You know, they're doing all this research on rats and drug addiction, and like one of the Bruce Alexander is like, okay, sorry, I'm just I'm now picturing rats trying to roll a joint, and it's so hard. You know, <laughs> <dropping> <laughs> well, I think. They did yeah. it with cocaine-laced water, I think, didn't right. they? Right. Yeah, that is correct. Um, and so Bruce Alexander is looking, though, and he's like, wait a minute. They're doing this research with isolated rats in cages. Rats are communal, and they like to live in places like parks or New York City, you know, in the suburb, in the sewer system where they can just go and get whatever and eat all of the scraps. Um and so what they did was they did an experiment that they called Rat Park. They built this, like, I don't even remember off the top of my head how big it was, but just this big park for them. They put in, like, I think plants. They put in cardboard tubes for them to run around in, and they put all of their rats together in there. And then they offered plain water, and they offered morphine-laced water. And they ran the experiment a couple of different ways. And basically, when they found that the rats were happy and in community the rats were less likely to turn to the morphine-laced water because they didn't need to numb their pain anymore. And I think that for a lot of us, like, that's one of their big things that turns us to porn is that we just feel isolated and alone. Um, And again, this brings us back to that initial conversation of, like, you know, I just thought that I was the only one doing this, and so I just got deeper and deeper into the issue because I was alone. Oh, wait, I'm not actually alone, am I? Okay, I don't. And like working through that together, having friends who are dealing with the same issue. And so the rats, you know, they're rats. They're not intelligent. I mean, they've got some intelligence, but they're not yeah, created in the they're... image of God. You know, even it's if in- even a rat instinct is driven. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I it's see a even... Disney movie here. This is like Ratatouille yeah. part two. The drug dealers have found the kitchen. Awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so how do people connect with you or get this book? Because I certainly want to know okay. how to get the book at this point. Um, you can find this and many other ebooks online at com slash ebooks. Um, I'm, I'll make sure that you have the links too if you want to post that in the description sure. of the episode. And this is called Hobbies and Habits. Yep. Nice. And how can people get a hold of you if they want to ask any questions or connect? They can get a hold of me. She's on Tinder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you know. um, no, that's terrible. Yeah. That's terrible. What? Bad, bad name. All the work <laughs> and my Pornhub address is. <laughs> no, um, Lisa.eldred at covenanteyes.com. 
Okay. Which All is right. Well, especially we've got a, a number of female listeners, at least five, that uh, <laughs> have some, some lady-specific questions they want to shoot to you that they feel like, wow, I don't have any community to ask these things, but I've been wondering and thinking, and maybe you would be a person they would be willing to reach out to. Sounds great. All right. Well, you have been uh, just a charming and very informative and helpful and entertaining guest. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Lisa. Thanks for having me. And uh, give our regards to the whole gang there at Covenant Eyes. Definitely. Uh, You're doing great work up there. We just are so grateful for um, the vision and the commitment uh, and the stick-to-itiveness of uh, the Covenant Eyes community. Well, thank you so much. All right. All right. Well, we'll be back for a close in just a second on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Okay, and we're back in the Pirate Monk podcast. I really enjoyed that conversation, Aaron. Yeah, she was she was fun. I wish I wish people could see the conversation because she just had a a great, uh, just winsome, full personality with her nonverbals yeah. and everything. It was just fun. What an engaging young lady. She was wonderful, and I just I just love that uh, she's the one that God tapped to create this resource. She has done a wonderful job. So, uh, yeah, I really, really hope our listeners will go ahead. You're going to put that link in the show notes, aren't you, Aaron? I am. So, check it out. Click on it. Get what you need to get. Okay, okay. Well, I think this is about wraps it up for this week. We've got uh, David Hampton coming back next week to talk about his his new book and, uh, you know, the, the latest chapters in his life. David, of course, is my Silas. So, uh, always great to have David on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Lynn Cherry coming up the weekend after that, and week after that, and we've got some other great guests in the wings f- uh, for, our, uh, for our audience. We're grateful for all of our listeners. We love to hear from you. Please do write with any comment, question, uh, pushback, uh, hate mail, anything. Send it to... Ooh, that would be fun. Death <laughs> We haven't had one of those in over a decade. <laughs> yeah, and you can reach us at piratemonkpodcast at gmail.com. All right. Well, until next week, uh, I'm Nate. I'm Aaron. And we are your pals on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Arg. Only you can make all this world seem right Only you can make the darkness bright Only you and you